I mean, not to dive too far ahead of your plan, but this song is sort of like your epitome of Peter Gabriel's soundscape mm -hmm. music construction. I mean, Games Without Frontiers is a good song. I'm not knocking yeah. it. It's a good pop song. Yeah, but it, it's, a, it's a radio song. Mm -hmm. it, it, it has a structure. This is Peter Gabriel at his... Uh, among his most Peter Gabrielist, you could, I mean, it, it's not Intruder, but no, it's it's if if you took Intruder and made it action actually uh, listenable, this is what mm -hmm. you get. <laughs> to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about the second of three collaborations that Kate Bush did with Peter Gabriel during her Never Forever sessions and his Melt sessions called No Self-Control. wonderful husband Andrew Link, resident Peter Gabriel fan. Hello. Yes, we were we were talking last week about I don't remember, and now we are talking about no self-control. Yes, we are, and hopefully you can hear me now that I've switched the mic to the double-sided view view. Oh, well, okay. I was, oh, I, well, I was go. pretty well screaming. Oh no, the mic heard me. Oh no, the mic definitely picked you up when you did that, honey. <laughs> I, I don't know why you're upset by how I was just... I, I gave you three perfectly good intros before that one. Yes, but I wanted to actually say the title, like... In the same way that Kate Bush says the title during their live performances. <laughs> no, I wanted to actually say the name of the song where you understand what the song is that we're talking about. Oh, oh well, <laughs> exactly. it is kind of hard to understand what Kate is saying as she's yes. going. <laughs> then again, it's also hard to understand Peter when he's going. <laughs> anyway, so. Oh, is that him talking? I thought that was an instrument. I'm pretty sure that's him. Huh. But anyway. I'm, I'm not going to disbelieve you. But anyway, we're here to talk about the song No Self-Control which appears on Peter Gabriel's third album, otherwise known as sometimes just Peter Gabriel, or because he, you know, wanted to name his albums after himself, and he had multiple albums named after himself. This one is often called Melt because of the cover image. Yeah, well, I mean... I, and I know it as Melt. Yeah, well, that was part of Peter Gabriel's whole thing of... Uh, you're getting Peter Gabriel albums in the same way that you would get a magazine. Mm -hmm. And every every issue of his albums 
is just another issue. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the 1978 issue of Peter Gabriel. How is that any different than getting the July issue of Popular Science? Pretty much. At least in Peter Gabriel's philosophy of the time. So we're here to talk about this song with Andrew because Andrew is the resident Peter Gabriel fan. And I am actually, as we're doing this podcast, I'm slowly getting more and more into his stuff because I feel like as I've been digging into um, Kate, especially for this podcast, that she and Peter are, to me, are kindred spirits. And when I listen to his stuff, I can hear where Kate, like, didn't take every single one of his ideas, but just, like, looked at... Oh, she took every single one of his ideas. I mean, but she was, she was definitely influenced by him. She took every one of his ideas, every one of uh, the ideas that she picked up along the road as she was walking to the studio. (laughs) Every one of the ideas that were standing on the shelf in the supermarket as she uh, left the studio... And then she piled them all into a kitchen sink and turned it into an album called The Dreaming. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> I know you haven't gotten to The Dreaming yet. No, we haven't gotten to The Although I have, as of this recording, it. this is, we're now like second week of November. It is November 9th. Yeah, we're recording this on November 9th, but this isn't coming out for another month. I have started recording dreaming discussion episodes. Yeah, I, I, and... <laughs> nothing against the dreaming, but it oh is... no, because I mean the dreaming is definitely my favorite Kate Bush album. But when when I get into that season, like I can when I listen to the dreaming, I like listening to Peter's next album, Security, right next to it because the two of the two albums are such kindred spirits, mm-hmm. and I have to say, like with with this song, um, No Self Control. This one and Games Without Frontiers, which we're going to talk about next week, are probably my two favorite Kate and Peter collaborations. I know there's Don't Give Up, and I do like that song because it is very emotional and beautiful, and and I like that the video is so simple. But I don't know why, but this one and Games Without Frontiers are probably my favorite of the two collaborations that they ended up doing over the years. I mean, it was only, it was this, the, it was this song, No Self Control. Um, last week's I Don't Remember, I don't, uh, Another Day, which of course they didn't write, but they did sing that together, and Games Without Frontiers, and um, Don't, don't Give Up. Mm-hmm. Those are the only five songs that they ever sang together. I will say that between, depending on my mood, it's either Don't Give Up or This. I uh, am... See that? I mean, just because this is like, uh, I mean, not to dive too far ahead of your plan, but this song is sort of like your epitome of Peter Gabriel's soundscape Mm -hmm. music construction. I mean, Games Without Frontiers is a good song. I'm not knocking it. It's a good pop song. Yeah, it's a a radio song. Mm -hmm. It, it, It has a structure. This is Peter Gabriel at his... Uh, among his most Peter Gabrielist, you could, I mean, it, it's not Intruder, but no, it's it's if if you took Intruder and made it action actually uh, listenable, this is what mm-hmm. you get. So as we were talking about, this is an album track from um from Melt. It actually was released as a single, but it didn't really do that well it just barely scraped into the uk top third top 40 
Um, it entered the charts on May 10th, 1980 and peaked May 25th through the 31st at number 33, mm -hmm. according to officialcharts.com, which, by the way, is a much easier site to navigate than the American equivalent billboard. Oh my goodness, I hate trying to navigate billboard. Like, trying to look up, like, the chart history of an artist that's not popular is, like, trying to pull teeth. Like, I can't do it. This was released as a single three months after Game Was Out Without Frontiers. But I'm having us talk about it before Games Without Frontiers because of where it appears on the album. Because this appears before the, that track. This is a mostly Peter Gabriel song, but our lovely British songstress graced us with her beautiful vocal cords on this song. Actually, I listened to Melt today as I was just doing stuff around the house and you know, also in preparation for this. And of course there is her, as he's singing No Self Control, there is, she does respond. Yeah. Like she does that. But I, I'm pretty sure that in, there are two other places in the song where you can hear her vocals. Okay. At the beginning, where there's the, the fast marimbas, there's a ha 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 I'm pretty sure that's her. I, I don't remember Because that, that sounds but, like her. It, it, it's probably her if it's... During one of the verses, as Peter is singing, I'm pretty sure, and I had like the radio, I, not my radio, I had my, um, when, I, when have I ever listened to the radio? I had the uh, stereo in my car turned up pretty loud, so, like trying to hear like, were there any other things I'm missing? And I think she does sing some low ahs in the background of one of the verses as well. There's, like, yeah, there's a, yeah. oh, like she's got that. Because this was during Never Forever, so she's starting to get, like, a little, like, she's, like, her voice is starting to deepen a little bit, but there is still, like, the high soprano that I still really love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. She sang, uh, she sang backgrounds on this song and um, contributed. I'm pretty sure the ha 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 ha's at the beginning are her. Um, and, and it is quite distorted. In fact, like the filter that's used on her voice, it almost sounds like they, they made it sound like she was singing underwater or something, which mm -hmm. I, I thought I think was a really cool filter. That, yeah, you almost don't understand you almost don't realize that she's actually singing words. It sounds like she's just making noises. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and honestly, that's kind of how I feel with, with some of her lyrics. Oh my God, the misheard lyrics from 
our wonderful British songstress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, that's what she's singing. Okay. Yeah, th- there's varying <laughs> levels of that also within the song. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some parts where it's clear it's someone saying no self-control. And then there are other parts where it is so destroyed. But that goes along with, with Kate using her voice as an instrument. Mm-hmm. Even electronically altering her voice to make it sound like an instrument. Very yeah. much like what Peter does, especially on this album. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like uh, you were you mentioned Intruder earlier. We like doom 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 doom, which by the way that rhythm totally gets used in Leave It Open, which is going to appear on the next album. The story behind the song is really interesting. I know we are, you know, of course, talking about Kate, of course, but I think it's also really neat to talk about kind of the history of the song and, of course, the production, because I can tell, like, with the production of this song and the album in general from from Melt, that this very heavily influenced Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. You can tell when you get when you get into the dreaming, you can tell that she was hanging out with Peter Gabriel, <laughs> like. Let's talk about the drums, okay? Because the drums, I think I thought found this really interesting that um, Gabriel did not allow any cymbals to be used on the album on his, this album. Um, quote: "The fast rhythm is generated by marimbas, a wooden African instrument which Gabriel used a lot in the future." I was wondering what that was. I, yeah, I, I, was I thought so too. Like, I, but no, it's it's actually a marimba. Um, and of course, when you listen to the drums, especially when they start to kick in, um, right before Kate starts to sing, that it does feel very Tommy. Like there is this kind of like, I'm not going to say tribal because it's not really tribal the way it's played, mm-hmm. especially the way that, um, Phil well, Collins played because Phil Collins <laughs> played the drums on this track. If you couldn't tell, well, no, and, and and tribal is not pejorative, but it's it, it's an overly generalized term used. It's more like an othering of the music. It's it, it is definitively in the category though of world music. He, mm-hmm. he he is transcending the Brit rock and going deeply into world music and explorations of. Other uh, rhythms. Yeah, other, other tonal scales, other rhythms that are not traditionally used in rock and roll. Which is going to influence Kate when she comes up with the dreaming. Because uh, the, the way the drums kick in on this song mm-hmm. is a lot like the drums on most of the songs on the dreaming. Mm-hmm. Where there's, there, there's no splash of a hi-hat or a cymbal to break things up. Always 
instead it's like boomy kind of drums and oh my goodness hounds of love like especially on the title track oh for hounds I of love. love the opening to hounds of love have we talked oh. about that one or did you get somebody else for that uh no actually i do have some fans for hounds of love the, okay, that, the that's the fine but oh yeah, which oh, so which is going to come out sometime like next year ish but i know on that on on hounds of love the the title track that the the drummer that she got for the song whose name i will get in time for that episode that's okay i have like a year to do it that she didn't want cymbals or hi-hats that it was all supposed to be the toms and the drummer's kind of like uh what huh but you usually do toms what you usually do cymbals what yeah and even when i do my own music programming you know music nerding here that for the kind of music i do if i want to do like kind of something kind of trip hoppy or something i you and you generally include like that splash of sound but if you don't then it, it sounds kind of it sounds like just deep and booming and mm-hmm. um and oh my gosh the theme of the song i think the theme like another thing where i can tell like that kate was hanging out with peter gabriel because to me this song is about somebody who's just losing their mind mm-hmm. they're losing their mind and just like giving themselves into whatever weird things are going on in their head or even in within the music which comes up a lot for kate like kate kind of even from the start of her career has been like somebody who like becomes the song Mm -hmm. it's she's more than she's not just somebody standing up on stage and singing lyrics that don't mean anything to her no she's like she's embodying a character she is becoming the music oh yeah and that's definitely i mean that is something that peter gabriel is doing repeatedly on this album and the only way to listen to and enjoy this album is to recognize that it is it is not about Peter Gabriel being himself. No. It is about him exploring other characters. Because otherwise you're like, um, so we're starting this album with a murderer. We're coming next into someone who's going insane. Uh, we've reached somebody who doesn't have any memory. And by, by halfway through the album, we have an assassin. Oh, yeah, family snapshot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Peter Gabriel 3 slash Melt is definitely similar to Kate Bush's style of uh, digging into characters in each song and playing roles. It is a role-play album more so than a personality album. Other interesting thing about kind of the production of this song. So, um... There was a bass player on this track. His name is John Giblin. And John Giblin has worked with Kate on many songs. This was the first of uh, the first song that he ever worked with her on. And John Giblin later went on to work with Kate for Never Forever. Um, specifically in Babushka. He's the one who does that really cool bass line in Babushka. <laughs> He also worked with her on the songs 50 Words for Snow and So It's Love, An Architect's Dream, Babushka, Breathing, okay, he was also on Breathing, forgot about that, Constellation of the Heart, Deeper Understanding, Eat the Music, Lily, Love and Anger, love, 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 anger, The Red Shoes, Rocket's Tale, Riverbane Girl, Snowed In at Wheeler Street, The Song of Solomon, Sunset, Top of the City, ooh, good one, Wild Man, and You're the One. So it's mostly her later career 
music, but started with this song and then he contributed bass to Never Forever for those two singles, Babushka and Breathing. Mm-hmm. And the drums are uh, wonderful Phil Collins <laughs> playing the drums on that. And there you go. I thought it was in, uh, another thing that was interesting about um, the song No Self Control is that it was initially inspired by an album called Music for 18 Musicians by the composer Steve Reich. And Steve Reich uh, was a composer who studied at Juilliard and experimented with electronic textures. And Peter Gabriel wanted to try some of those textures in a rock format. We were listening to this before we started recording. And I seriously thought that this was a soundtrack. (laughs) And I went, okay, this reminds me of something. And it reminded me of the Arrival soundtrack that you play so much when you're writing. Definitely the droning atmosphere there, and and and, and it's appropriate that the, that um, you should see a reference because that uh, arrival was actually specifically composed by Johan Johansson in order to evoke a pan cultural soundscape that uh, was comprised not only of instruments but voices mm-hmm. uh, some, something that was primally human uh, and had elements of native music from across the globe combined with human voices and while that doesn't have the synth element uh, it, it's a very similar to the sort of experiments that Peter was doing mm-hmm. um not even at this time. He's he's experimented with world music on almost all of his albums. It's it's it, it is a running theme with him. I don't one hundred percent know how to dig into this song. Cecily, I know <laughs> because I mean I look at it verse by verse. And it's just different steps, different kinds of madness. There's, in verse one, the madness of hunger. In verse two, the madness of not sleeping. In, in verse three, the madness of 
reaching out to people for any sort of connection. And I'm, you could have whole debates, and I'm sure there have been in the decades since this album came out. I'm sure many a fan has sat there drinking through a six-pack, talking about their Peter Gabriel album and going, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it. each verse is a different character. I think mm-hmm. so. Or maybe it's the same character and he just can't eat and then he stays up all night and then he calls random. I mean, there's just there are different ways to interpret it, but fundamentally it's a song about loneliness and longing and going crazy. A lot of human psychology. Yeah, yeah. Which is another thing that Kate loves to dig into and which will be very apparent on the dreaming. Because on The Dreaming, every song is about psychology in some way, whether it's her being a Vietnamese soldier and pull out the pen, or somebody who's searching for knowledge and can't quite find it inside in your lap, or um, trying to reach somebody from the beyond in Houdini and leave it open. I mean, oh, it's like, I, I listen to this and it's like, I can hear where the dreaming eventually started to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially like with the, the the kind of the world sounds, like with how he's using the marimba and, oh, let's see, the title track for the dreaming has a didgeridoo on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has an Australian music instrument and it's got a lot more electronic textures, like what Peter was doing in the song. I mean, to go back to the lyrics for a moment, the one place where I do think he breaks through the character and it might be Peter talking as opposed to the character talking, is when we get to the bridge. There are always hidden silences waiting behind the chair. (laughs) They come out when the coast is clear. They eat anything that moves. I go shaky at the knees. Lights go out, stars come down like a swarm of bees. It's like this moment of lucidity before the self-control is utterly lost Mm -hmm. where either Gabriel as the songwriter or this singular or collage of characters is recognizing their madness, is realizing that, you know, here sitting at my desk, keeping it calm and collected doing my accountancy work or whatever other menial task I am up to, everything seems calm, but you just feel that little prickling at your back as you're trying to hold it together because you know that you're just gonna go nuts! Or, you know, at least that's the impression I get, you know, from having worked something of an office job for a good while and um, indeed i don't know i almost i almost i i know it was kate bush who did the brazil soundtrack and we'll Mm -hmm. talk about that later 
Yep. But I'm gonna have to watch that movie. <laughs> it's a Terry Gilliam movie. It's gonna be weird, but it'll yeah, be fine. That's true. It'll anyway. be fine. The, but it, 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 I bring that up because that bridge alone does make me want to look forward to Brazil. Because mm. it's that, that feeling of paranoia and desperately trying to hold it together, but knowing that at any instant you might snap, that is the essence of Brazil. So it, it, it's just a, a fun little connection there. I never thought of that. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you've worked office jobs occasionally. but Yes, I have. Didn't generally get... I, I don't think long enough that you got that whole deep NUI of just, I am... Ah! No, not for long enough. Yeah. It was only a, it was only a summer at a time working at my dad's office. Mm -hmm. So my parents could say, hey, you're, you've got a job. You're contributing to society somehow, you teenager. Yeah, and I, I really do feel like this is somebody who is either in their office trapped or um, when they come home from whatever they're doing, they just sit in a chair in the middle of their living room, maybe staring at the television, watching one of Peter Gabriel's music videos on loop mm -hmm. until finally they snap. I like that little idea of meta that they're maybe yeah, watching, me watching too. the sledgehammer video on loop over and over and over did sledgehammer come before this or after this no this came after the sledgehammer came out after this ah, it was it's like so two or three albums life. ahead oh that's well. off of so which has don't give up on it yeah well so much for my little meta narrative oh well i'll still imagine it in my head ken there you go <laughs> Yeah, this is, is like I said. This is one of my uh, one of my two favorites of the songs that they've ever done together. And I think I've mentioned before that they that Peter and Kate were uh, they wanted to try writing a song together. It was supposed to be called Ibiza, mm -hmm. but it was never released. And I'd be very interested to hear that, but who knows whether it'll ever see the light of day. Well, that's I mean, but. Kate is just not a okay. I'm gonna sit here and jam with these musicians. Like she's not that kind of thing. Collaboration is a different thing. It's a different talent than being a um, a solo artist. I mean, and, and and some people bridge that gap very well and can both collaborate and work solo. And some people really are better at one or the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, just on. I mean, th think of when we've tried to write together. I mean. One or the other of us can come up with the plot, and then, but just something about the different ways we write, it never quite comes to fruition. You write well, I write well, but as a collaborative effort, something just never quite gels. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different people sometimes work in different ways, mm -hmm. and sometimes the more similar you are, the less it works their styles are so different and i mean i love kate and i, I i'm not gonna say anything hopefully i don't i don't want this to be taken negative but i almost feel like if they were to work together on something he would come up with an idea she would take it and push it up to not even 11 but push that idea up to 13 
and he would be so enthusiastic about her version that he would push it up to 15 and then she mm. would be like yeah and let's take that to 17 and three days later they would come out of a hazed studio and go that's crap we can't use that it's just mm. we pushed each other too far into two weird places and it just they both seem like people who either need to work alone or work with people who can rein them in and if you put them together, it's just going to be an explosion of ideas that perhaps is, gets a little unhinged. Uh, I don't think that you're wrong at all. I mean, I love Kate Bush. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this project. But even she has said that she prefers to work alone. Yeah, speaking of like Kate working alone, she's actually said in an, uh, a really cool article from... Electronic Soundmaker and Computer Music, the October 1983 issue. And the link to this article was sent to me by a recent fan of the show, Bosco Sauce, a.k.a. Jonathan, listening all the way from Australia. He sent me a message through the Facebook page with some really cool scans of some older computer music magazines that mentioned Kate and there were some really cool things like for the show and everything. So thank you so much for sending that along. Thanks to Bosco Sauce. And then this article, it highlights Kate and several other musicians of the time and how they use electronic instruments. And for her part, she talks about the Fairlight, which we'll get to talk a lot about for the dreaming. Um, yeah, she says here, Kate finds that it's possible to come up with a new song using the Fairlight, but this very much depends on her mood. Quote, I don't think I could ever write with a group of musicians sitting around. I always have to write alone. Mm. I've, I've got an 8-track system at home, and I'll put a rhythm from the Lynn drum down and then put one or two pieces of Fairlight on it. Then I put on a lead vocal and some backing vocals. Sometimes I just can't find a sound to inspire me. I find it's very exciting to use natural sounds rather than using a synthesizer, though, and getting the Fairlight has been revolutionary for me and my work. So there you go. We have proof that she's... Just, you can't pop her down in front of like five or six musicians and just go, hey, let's all just jam out. Like, no, she doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. I It would have been cool, I think, to have Kate and Peter write a song together. But they're just, they're two very, I think that in some ways they're very similar. And in some ways it wouldn't, it wouldn't, just wouldn't work yeah. out well. I think Peter is good at self-editing. I think Kate has become good at self-editing. I do think that if you put these two together, it has to be her song or his song with the other person singing. I think if they were to collaborate, as we talked about, is would just come to a standstill or blow yep. up. much covered everything on this song um yeah pretty much yeah i mean we've, we've gotten into the lyrics we've talked about production and her, of course kate's contributions to the song and yeah, I mean, we could keep talking about everything. this for a while if you want because <laughs> after all i have no self-control well fortunately i do <laughs> most oh. of the, actually some most of the time most of the time 
Well, thank you so much for coming up here and chatting about No Soul Control with me. I am always happy to come up and chat music with my lovely wife. And so next week, you'll be here talking about Games Without Frontiers. Either that or War Without Tears. I haven't decided which. Although if looks could kill, they probably will. (laughs) So next week, we'll be talking about that song. And then, oh my goodness, I'm almost done with the Never Forever season. It's like, holy crap! Third season's almost done! Oh my goodness. I am going to steal your podcast for just a moment to plug that I okay. have a podcast. Oh, yes. So, honey, in the time that we've been doing, I've been doing my podcast, you've got a podcast, too, as I hit my arm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. what would you like to plug, honey? I would just to suggest, like to suggest that if any of your listeners are interested in exploring further modern creativity using digital equipment... Um, they might want to check out my podcasts. Uh, you can find my more general one is called Pixel Wretches. You can find it on most of your podcast aggregators or at pixelwretches.com. Uh, it's a, basically an interview show where I talk to digital content creators about how they create their worlds. Uh, the first real episode, I talked to this woman named um, Cecil Linka about how she creates music no i think it was stephanie oh oh yes stephanie lagernin that's Mm -hmm. right yes um (laughs) so yep uh, check that out pixelwretches.com um i do have another podcast called what in me is dark uh you can also find that on all of the aggregators that's more of like a personal blog of creativity mostly consists about me uh muttering to myself about how we can be more open in our creations and uh, how we can share ideas with each other and how I'm feeling about my writing. Uh, But if you're interested in that sort of thing, or if you would like to contribute to either one of those, if you are a creator who would like to upload some of your own tortured musings to What In Me Is Dark, or if you would like to be interviewed for Pixel Wretches, uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, at Autolink. O-T-T-O-L-I-N-K-E. Yeah, remember, it's Link with an E. Yes, <laughs> as yes. I'm always saying. <laughs> I've thought about tell- just pronouncing it as Autolinka, but then people would be like, um, that's a kind of an odd last name. How yeah. do we spell that? So. You know, ah, that's the German pronunciation, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Ich bin Linka. Indeed. And, of course, if you'd like to contact me, uh, for example, if you've got a favorite Kate song that you really want to talk about later on, or if you if there's a Dreaming song that you want to talk about as well, Dreaming spots are mostly filled at this point, but I can always use another fan for any of the other songs on the Dreaming. And also, it's various B-sides. Like we have, Actually, I have a fan for Natan Fuipa, and I, but I don't have anybody for Lord of the Reedy River. I know not a Kate written song, but she did record it. So we have to talk about the Donovan song and any other, basically any other songs that Kate has done that you want to talk about. Here's where you can find me. You can find me on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com. You can email me kbcast at linkmedia.com. 
You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast, and on Twitter at strangekatecast. And, oh, also you can contact me through the web form on kbcast.linkmedia.com. And I'd love to hear from you, especially if either there's another song you want to talk about or if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, or if you just want to talk with another fan. Um, by the time the Dreaming episodes go out in late January, early February of next year, 2019, I am going to be setting up a Patreon. And so there's going to be all sorts of really cool stuff with that. And one of my plans with the Patreon is to have a special members only feed where instead of talking about a song, I'm talking with a fan and it's not about a particular song. It's just how you came to become a Kate fan. What does her music mean to you? Just I'm sitting down with a Kate fan and talking about what her music means to them. So... Uh, if you want to be a part of that, I, I would love to just sit down and I love just chatting about Kate with people because as you can tell, I'm a young fan and there aren't very many other young people around here in Virginia who really know who she is or even just people in Virginia who know who she is. So that's where you can contact me. I'd love to hear from you and we'll see everybody next week for the last Peter and Kate collaboration until we get to the Hounds of Love season for Don't Give Up. So I'll see everybody next week. See you later. Speaking of like you know, uh, Peter embodying characters, um, I watched a live performance of Mercy Street, mm-hmm. which is my favorite Peter Gabriel song because it's so, oh my God, that, that song just takes me places. It's just one of the most beautiful pieces of music I think I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. And more than that, like he's telling, he's telling a story from a uh from the opposite gender point of view which is something kate loves to do and when i watched his performance of this he was really seeing he was really acting out the character of Anne sexton who was the poet that he wrote the song that song about mm-hmm. like he had the like the lights kind of flashing in his eyes looking like you're 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 at a in a in a mental hospital or like the way he he's like kind of sc- screeched and howled at the end to imitate how she uh, she committed suicide like he like Kate really embodies these characters and is not afraid to use his voice in very interesting ways It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 